You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about preceptal versus orbital cellulitis. Joining me is Dr. Gil Binnenbaum from the Division of Ophthalmology, also at CHOP. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here and to talk to you. So let's start off with one of the most important things. The, the key features that distinguish preceptal from an orbital cellulitis are known as the orbital signs. So what are the orbital signs? Well, it, it basically comes down to a preceptal cellulitis, which is an infection of the eyelids, essentially, um, has eyelid swelling and redness and maybe tenderness and warmth. Um, an orbital cellulitis, which is an infection of the space in the orbit around the eye and sort of behind the superficial eyelids, mm-hmm. um, uh, is a much more serious infection and has signs in addition to that eyelid swelling. And we call those orbital signs. And the diagnosis of orbital cellulitis is primarily a clinical diagnosis. Um, and so we look for these orbital signs. And these orbital signs include redness of the surface of the eye, or which is inflammation of the conjunctiva, mm-hmm. um, which is not seen with a preceptal cellulitis. Um, limitations of the movement of the eye from a large amount of of inflammation or possibly an abscess in the orbit, limiting its movement. So if you have the child try to look in different directions, you can see that that eye doesn't move as well as the other eye. Um, When an eye doesn't move well, it'll be out of alignment with the healthy eye, um, which causes what we call strabismus, which is when your eyes aren't straight. So it could be eye crossing or um, the eye won't move up well and then one eye will be higher than the other. Uh, If your eyes aren't straight, um, and pointing in different directions, then you may see double. So right. another important sign is diplopia or double vision. If there's a lot of uh, in, infl- inflammation or inflammatory material or an actual, actual abscess behind the eye, it might push the eye forward. Um, and that's called proptosis. Um, and it's useful to distinguish proptosis from eyelid swelling. So the eyelids can be very, very swollen um, from uh, an infection, but Uh, it doesn't mean that the eyeball itself is actually being pushed forward. In order to see that, you have to open the eyelids and see if the position of the eye in the orbit is anterior or come forward. I was always taught, too, to look laterally because sometimes when you're looking anteriorly, you can, like you said, be confused by the eyelid swelling. So if you look laterally, you may see the proptosis a little bit more. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I would just add that it's even better to look from the top of the head or from the chin. Mm-hmm. So if you if you look from the top and you're looking down, then you can see the pos- relative position of the eye in the orbit, um, probably even better than if you look from the side. Mm-hmm. So that's an excellent suggestion. Um, just turn it like 90 degrees and right. come from above and look down and then you can get a real sense of the, and try to look at the eyeball, right. not the eyelids. Right. Um, and then there's a couple last um, orbital signs that are really important. So when there's enough um, uh, infection behind the eye that it's compressing the optic nerve, um, then you may see an actual decrease in vision. Um, you might see a pupillary um, abnormality, 
um, where that pupil doesn't constrict well to light. Um, or you may actually see um, changes of the optic nerve in the back of the eye when, when you do a, a retinal or fundus examination, which is kind of hard really to do on a, on a little kid through undilated pupils. But if you can get a look, you might see swelling of the optic nerve, or you might even see paleness or pal pallor, which is a really sort of ominous sign. Um, and those last few that I mentioned, a decrease in vision, um, a pupillary abnormality, um, optis, optic disc changes are really signs of a very advanced process and you're looking at an imminently vision-threatening situation. So, uh, and one final orbital sign in general is, um, is pain with eye movements. Again, if you have a lot of inflammation as the eye moves in different directions, it, it might hurt. Um, so those are the orbital signs. Um, and really, when you see a child with eyelid swelling, um, that's what you want to look for because if any of those orbital signs, one or more of them is present, then you have to suspect there's orbital cellulitis um, and probably pursue it with a greater, uh, a more investigation. As you mentioned though, this can be a difficult exam to do in an uncooperative child or a young child who can't tell us things like that hurts um, or I see double. So if we aren't sure about our diagnosis, um, or we're unclear about the orbital signs, what can we do to help make the diagnosis? And I guess, can we, can we call you for help? The answer is absolutely. Um, and we have, um, we have clinics um, at a number of the satellites and of course at Berger, at CHOP Maine. Um, and uh, our general phone number is 215-590-2791 or 42791 if you're in the CHOP system. Um, and off the top of my head, we go to, to Voorhees, to Virtua. Mm -hmm. um, we, we go to King of Prussia, um, to Chalfont, to Bucks. Um, we go to um, Exton. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we go to Brandywine. I think those are the places that we have docs. So if you call us during the, the, you know, the normal work week um, and uh, you're in one of those locations and we're there, we usually have providers at all those places, most days or all days. Um, we'd be happy to take a look. And if not, we can always, you can always, uh, there's always somebody at CHOP Maine um, mm -hmm. that can take a look uh, and we just add out on urgents like this the same day. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's at night or on the weekends, uh, there is an on-call resident and fellow and of course attending, um, uh, but to facilitate that evaluation, um, they, you may have to refer them into the CHOP um, emergency department. Right, depending on the time of day. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the pathogens that cause these two conditions. Are the, are the pathogens for preceptal and orbital cellulitis the same? Uh, it, there is overlap between the two. Um, so for preceptal cellulitis, um, the most common pathogen is strep pyogenes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if there is a lot, if, if there's some purulent uh, discharge present, it might be Staph aureus. Okay. Um, Interestingly, MRSA is not a very common pathogen for orbital or preceptal cellulitis, um, which, is, uh, which then affects the antibiotics that the infectious disease team has recommended. Uh, they don't really uh, think that you need to uh, cover uh, MRSA routinely. Um, on the orbital cellulitis, um, uh, strep um, pyogenes and, and um, staph aureus um, are, are on the list as well. But in addition, there's a, a pneumococcus, H flu, um, and anaerobes. Mm -hmm. um, and the reasons for those is because while um, preceptal cellulitis often is caused by a scratch or a bite on the eyelid, so there's something on the surface that's sort of infected from the outside in, orbital cellulitis 
is most commonly associated with sinusitis and a sinus infection. So there the infection is kind of already inside the face and spreading up into the orbit. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why there's a, a bit broader and different uh, bugs that you see in orbital cellulitis. Do you often have a preceding illness like a sinusitis um, or something else that leads to, to an orbital cellulitis or can it happen spontaneously? Very commonly there's a sinusitis um, uh, that's caused, that's spread and caused the infection in the orbit. Mm -hmm. okay. That's a good clue for us in terms of taking a history, certainly if we have a patient who had a sinusitis that we know about and now is having these. Um, eye symptoms that we should move orbital cellulitis higher in our in our thought process. Absolutely, and I, I'll also add that um, lots of t lots of cases of orbital cellulitis that we see, um, that's the presenting sign for the sinusitis. So nobody knew they had the sinusitis. There, there was not really complaints of pain or congestion or whatever. Um, uh, but all of a sudden, the eye became very swollen and red, and uh, we get a scan, and not only is there an orbital cellulitis, there's you know sort of a pan sinusitis on that side. So I remember as a resident taking care of a lot of orbital cellulitis patients, why do all of these patients get admitted for IV antibiotics? Uh, well, primarily because orbital cellulitis is both a vision-threatening and potentially a life-threatening situation. Mm -hmm. um, so vision uh, can be affected uh, by optic nerve compromise. Um, and if they're spread from the orbit uh, uh, intracranially um, uh, or to the blood, um, it can be life-threatening. Mm -hmm. So we know that we need to send those patients to the emergency room. Uh, after they're discharged, do they follow up with primary care or ophthalmology? So um, we've put into this pathway that we recently posted uh, that they should all follow up with ophthalmology for their first visit um, after discharge. Uh, and this is primarily for us to make sure that there hasn't been a failure of the uh, treatment when we've transitioned them from IV to PO antibiotics. So one of the changes we've made on the pathway is that other than ensuring that they tolerate um, the, the oral medication, uh, we're not going to follow them for any length of time um, as an inpatient uh, to ensure that, the, that their oral medication is working. Uh, so we basically give them some, make sure they take it, and, and then send them home and then have them follow up with us within a a few days um, so that we can make sure that, that they're still improving. So for a preceptal cellulitis, you may see some symptoms that look like a conjunctivitis. So should we do any cultures or labs in making a diagnosis of either a preceptal or orbital cellulitis? Um, so so uh, there's a few aspects to that question. So, so first I'll just kind of address the orbital cellulitis side of things. For an orbital cellulitis, we don't recommend uh, the routine, any routine labs. Um, we don't use them for diagnosis, and we don't use them to follow um, for progression or improvement. Um, so uh, children who are admitted with orbital cellulitis, there are no routine labs recommended. Um, for preceptal cellulitis, really it's the same thing, um, but once you introduce the possibility of a conjunctivitis, um, and we can talk in a minute a little bit about how to tease all of those diagnoses apart, um, then that's a different question. You know, will, would a culture help with a conjunctivitis? And um, to be perfectly honest about it, um, I, I never order cultures for conjunctivitis um, uh, uh, nearly ever. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, all, it's another clinical diagnosis. 
um, and it's not, and you know, you kind of treat empirically with topical antibiotics um, uh, that cover pretty much all the pathogens. Right. So we talked a little bit about the treatment of an orbital cellulitis with IV antibiotics, but since we are going to be handling more of preceptal cellulitis as an outpatient, how do we treat that, and how long would we expect before we see clinical improvement in a preceptal cellulitis? Okay, and uh, complicating factors to consider that you might actually admit a preceptal cellulitis for might include a, a young patient, like an infant less mm -hmm. than 12 months old. Um, if there's any sort of vital sign abnormalities, um, if the cellulitis seems to be expanding really rapidly, or if you're concerned that there's an actual abscess, like a focal abscess in the eyelid, um, uh, or if you've been treating them and they've failed the outpatient um, uh, oral medications or they can't tolerate the oral medication, those are all reasons you might admit someone. But right. if you're following them as an outpatient, the outpatient recommendation for management for preceptal cellulitis is um, to use a cephalexin um, uh, PO um, and, um, or clindamycin if they are um, uh, penallergic. So and then how long until we would expect to see some yeah. clinical improvement in their so, so really, you should see a response um, within 24 to 36 hours. If there's no response within 36 hours, then I would consider it a treatment failure um, and uh, consider um, uh, switching to another medication. Or if there's progression, um, uh, you might even consider re referring them to ophthalmology or even for admission. And as you mentioned before, not all eyelid swelling and redness is a preceptal cellulitis. So what else should be in our differential and, and how do we tease these things apart? Uh, well, we have a nice table on our um, uh, pathway online, which I think might be helpful um, when you're faced with a kid like this. Um, and so the differential of uh, orbital and preceptal cellulitis um, in includes um, uh, infection uh, of the tear system, tear drainage system, and tear production. So if you have inflammation that's sort of on the upper outer uh, eyelid, um, that could be a dacryoadenitis or an infection or inflammation of the lacrimal gland, um, which is located on the upper outer part of the eyelids. Mm -hmm. um, if you have inflammation that's um, lower eyelid and uh, uh, along the bridge of the nose, that could be a dacryocystitis or an infection of the lacrimal sac, which is the top part of the nasolacrimal duct, or the main tear duct that's draining from the eye. Um, that might be um, most commonly seen in, a, in an infant um, who has a blockage of the tear duct um, it, down low and a blockage up above, and stuff gets trapped in there and then can get infected. This is a life-threatening situation in an infant and needs to be admitted for IV antibiotics. Um, uh, a sty uh, or a chalazion, uh, or, or hordeolum. These are actually all terms that, as ophthalmologists, we use interchangeably, although you can kind of try to make a distinction between a hordeolum and a chalazion. We just kind of call all of them chalazions. Um, and these are actually not infectious lesions. There's, when the glands and the eyelids get backed up um, and you get an inflammatory reaction to it, it's a chalazion. And this looks like a focal um, uh, sort of nodule um, in the upper or lower eyelid. Um, and there could be some accompanying uh, inflammation around it, but it, that's not the prominent finding. It is possible for a chalazion to get, be complicated by an actual preceptal cellulitis, so you could have both. Mm -hmm. And the way that we usually treat these is that we cover with PO antibiotics as if it was a preceptal cellulitis. But when you just see a focal nodule, that's not a preceptal cellulitis. That's right. a, 
Uh, and sometimes you actually see the little pustule almost too, where it's focal and you can see it. Right. If you kind of evert the lid, sometimes you'll see that little... On the lid margin, right, right. At the edge of the eyelid, kind of near where the lashes are. That's, that's the gland. There's gland, a whole bunch of glands on the edge of the eyelid. Um, that's what most people would call a hordeolum. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. um, so uh, some other really important considerations. Um, an orbital tumor, like a neuroblastoma, um, a leukemic infiltrate, um, a rhabdomyosarcoma, which next to orbital cellulitis is the most common cause of rapidly um, uh, developing proptosis in a young child, um, a lymphangioma. Um, uh, these um, sorts of lesions cause proptosis. Um, and so, which of course is one of our orbital signs. So if you saw a child with eyelid swelling um, and you also saw proptosis, that's an orbital sign, that child needs a scan emergently. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be referred into the emergency department to get a scan. Um, and if it was actually a tumor in the orbit, that would be discovered at that point. A couple uh, final considerations for the differential. Uh, one of the most common things you might see is a conjunctivitis. And mm -hmm. as a primary care pediatrician, I'm sure you see more, even more conjunctivitis than I do. Yep. Um, so, so how do you differentiate that? Well, a conjunctivitis, the, you know, the conjunctiva, which is this transparent thin membrane that's over top of the sclera, which is the white part of your eye, uh, is inflamed or injected. Um, and with a conjunctivitis, um, often there's discharge, which might be sort of more mucoid or watery in a viral conjunctivitis, um, or might be um, uh, mucoid or watery um, or purulent in a bacterial conjunctivitis. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing to look for. You don't really have that much discharge. You shouldn't have discharge really with a preceptal cellulitis. Right. And you might have a little bit with an orbital cellulitis, um, but not a preceptal cellulitis. And you shouldn't have the redness that you're talking about, that conjunctival infection yeah. with a preceptal cellulitis. Correct. That's a really important point. Uh, preceptal cellulitis is an infection of the eyelid. Mm -hmm. um, and the eyelid is actually not part of the eye. Um, when the eyeball itself, the surface of it, is inflamed, that's when you have a conjunctivitis. And like you say, that's not part of a preceptal cellulitis. Right. Um, now, uh, one other uh, thing that's kind of throws people off sometimes is it is possible to have a bad conjunctivitis that um, is so bad that it causes eyelid swelling. And it could actually be a really significant amount of eyelid swelling. And if you Google that online, you can see pictures of, of, of that sort of um, situation. Um, and it's because the conjunctiva are not just on the surface of your eye, they actually um, uh, come down off the eyeball and up onto the inside of your eyelids as well, which is why if you pull the eyelid down, you look inside, you see conjunctiva there, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you know pediatricians do all the time to, to examine eyes. So that's, that inflammation spreads to the, the underside of the eyelid and can cause significant eyelid edema. What it doesn't cause is eyelid erythema um, or, um, or warmth. Mm -hmm. um, so when there's actual redness to the eyelid swelling, uh, and it feels warm, then that's actual inflammation of the eyelid skin, uh, and you have to assume from an infection. Um, if the eyelid skin just looks very swollen, but isn't red and isn't warm, and the eye surface itself is red, it might just be secondary eyelid swelling from a conjunctivitis. Um, and occasionally I do see that situation being admitted for orbital cellulitis, because mm. um, it's, uh, sometimes it's hard to tell. 
Um, uh, and then in the end, the, the eye drops are cleared up and IV antibiotics may not be necessary. And as you mentioned, when we are having trouble making that distinction between some of these things on the differential and what could be an orbital cellulitis, we should err on the side of safety because of how urgent that condition is in getting a consult from ophthalmology, whether that is having them see you in clinic, going to the ER, or maybe putting photos into Epic to have an ophthalmologist look at remotely. Yes, um, I agree with what you just said. <laughs> uh, don't You should have a low threshold for asking for our help um, because orbital cellulitis is a vision-threatening situation. And um, one thing about photos, if you have a Haiku app, or I think it's Canto on the iPad, is that what it's called? I think, so. I think um, those Epic apps that are for, um, uh, for your phone um, uh, are great for many reasons, um, one of which is that you can take a picture through the app and it gets uh, imported directly into Epic onto the media tab for the patient, and you can document what you see, um, which um, is very helpful uh, for following um, the response uh, to antibiotics. Um, right. And so uh, part of our pathway is that all patients um, admitted to the hospital need to get photos, um, and we re recommend the same for patients being followed as outpatients for preceptal cellulitis and oral antibiotics. So this is a robust topic, um, even though it seems simple. Give us your kind of take-home key teaching pearls. Uh, some pearls in no specific order. Uh, uh, number one might be uh, that preceptal cellulitis is not associated with uh, conjunctival injection or redness. Um, and so if the eye surface is red and the eyelids are swollen and red, you may have a preceptal cellulitis along with something else like a conjunctivitis that's also present, um, or you may be looking at an orbital cellulitis, which would explain both findings. Mm -hmm. But just a preceptal cellulitis will not explain the presence of the red eye. Okay, great. Okay, that's, so that's, that's pearl number one. Uh, uh, pearl number two is just all of the orbital signs. So one of the orbital signs, um, if you recall, um, was eye redness, because mm -hmm. that's something that you can use to distinguish between preceptal and orbital cellulitis. But the other orbital signs, which include proptosis, um, strabismus, double vision, just a, a decrease in visual acuity, a decrease in vision, um, optic nerve changes, uh, um, a pupil that doesn't react well, pain. Um, pain, yeah, pain. Although if you have a really bad preceptal cellulitis, your eyelid might be a little sore, but it won't really be worsened by moving your eye around. So yeah, pain it's with eye. Usually pain when you touch their eyelid. Yeah. Um, when you're examining them, and not as not so much when they're just looking, looking around. around. Exactly. So pain with eye movements is a, a good orbital mm -hmm. sign, and, and of course just decreased eye movements, uh, which is an easy thing to assess. You know, if mm -hmm. you have them look up and one eye moves up and the, the swollen eye doesn't, you know, that's that's kind of concerning. Right. Um, so um, uh, so the second pearl is to look for those orbital signs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the final pearl uh, would be that you need to be able to assess for the orbital signs. Um, so if the eyelids are so swollen that you can't get them open and look, it's, it's really not okay to just treat with oral antibiotics and see if the lids get better. Right, um, right there on the spot when the kid presents, uh, someone needs to be able to get the eyelids open and look at the eyeball underneath because mm -hmm. those orbital signs are all related to the eyeball. Right. The redness of the eye, the poor movement of the eye, um, 
the pupil reaction, um, the position of the eye. You can't assess, we can't assess those things without actually getting the eyes open. And sometimes the eyelids are so swollen that you have to pry them open with, um, with the appropriate device. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's the situation and you can't actually look at what's underneath the eyelids, um, then ask us for help. Um, and we'll get the eyelids open. Great. <laughs> yep. We'll send you the most difficult yeah. <laughs> exams. So that's a lot of really great helpful information for primary care doctors. And luckily, you've also put this into a pathway for us, mm. which people can find on the chop.edu site um, in the clinical pathway section. We'll also link to it on our landing page, which is www.chop.edu slash podcast. And thanks so much, as I said, for getting these patients into clinic and taking care of them um, for us when they get to the hospital. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me to talk with you. Um, any questions, don't hesitate to, to call us. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.